How in the world could you forgive someone who has murdered your loved one? Uh, Denny Blackburn has found out how. His pregnant wife Amanda was murdered by men who invaded and robbed their home, leaving their 15-month-old alone and helpless until Davy came home to see the aftermath. Amanda was rushed to the hospital, but it was already too late. She and her unborn child were, were murdered by home invaders. Now, that tragedy became a national story. It over, overtook our area of the nation, particularly Davy was in an unwanted spotlight. He and his wife Amanda, if you recall the story, had moved from their hometowns and they became church planters in Indianapolis to start a church there. Things were going well. The, they were witnessing great growth in the church. They were excited. And Pastor Davey, though, would never get to experience or witness the continual growth of that church with his wife. Now, he was quick to speak out about the public events that had happened. Some of his first words to the media were, I hope those grieving for Amanda can also forgive those who took her life. But you know, later he told a congregation, you know, at the very beginning he said, when they had been arrested, hadn't been arrested, it, 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 it was probably easier to forgive because they were faceless people. I had no idea who these guys were. But then he said, the first time I felt any anger of any kind was when they were arrested. And I saw their photos. He wrestled with this idea of trying to forgive someone who had completely ruined his life. And eventually he concluded that forgiveness is not an emotion. He later told a congregation, I wasn't ever going to feel like forgiving them. Still, though, he decided because, he said, bitterness and unforgiveness is going to be a cancer for no one else but me. I decided to forgive. And Davy Blackburn forgave the men that murdered Amanda and his unborn child. It's been said when something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you, you can let it destroy you, or you can let it strengthen you. Davy decided that he would allow this hurt and this pain to strengthen him. And he allowed God to work in his life. And he chose mercy over vengeance. He chose forgiveness over hate. He chose love. And when you forgive someone, you're showing that you have strength. Strength to resolve, strength to love. And, and when you forgive someone, you're letting go of the pain and you're letting... You're letting go of your right to get even. And that's what forgiveness really is. Saying, I'm not going to hold this in my heart against you. I'm not going to try to get even against you. And you're conquering this fleshly desire to be merciless. And you're saying, God, would you allow the spirit nature to take over so I can be very merciful? Forgiveness is the greatest and very best gift that you can give anybody. You know, Jesus told many stories, stories that had a spiritual meaning behind them. They're called parables. One of them is found in Matthew 18. Turn there with me, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair rack in front of you. It's page 799. It is about a scoundrel who is behind on his mortgage, behind on his credit cards, behind on his 
car payment. He's up to debt, debt to his eyeballs on his medical bills. And he, he wasn't paying his student loans. And he has such severe financial debt. And all of his indebtedness has been consolidated to one creditor. And Jesus tells the story in response to a question of one of his disciples. His disciple Peter. Peter wanted to know, is there a limit to how many times we should forgive somebody? I mean, is there finally a point in life where we just say, I've had enough. I'm not going to forgive you anymore. You've just done too much wrong to me. So Jesus tells a story. Let's start together in verse 23 of Matthew 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24. As he began to the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and he canceled the debt and he let him go. You know, you know who needs forgiveness the most and deserves it the least? Me. You. And Jesus told us that story and to say, this is how God forgives. You owe an incredible debt. A debt that is so huge that you can get together all the things in life that are priceless. Your wife, your kids, the things that have no monetary value because you would never think twice about putting them up for sale. And Jesus says, guess what? Even if you did, that wouldn't be even enough to cancel out your sin debt. You don't deserve to be forgiven because you can't repay God back for what your sins have done. There is a punishment that you cannot get out of. And God has such great compassion on us that when we come to him and we ask for forgiveness, he will forgive us of our sins. But without a doubt, when forgiven, when and forgiveness is brought up, we all kind of go to the same area together. I mean, I can talk to a, a, a fractured couple and their marriage is falling apart, or I can speak to people that have gone through un, unspeakable abuses, or I can speak to someone who's holding a grudge against someone else, and maybe it's their boss, and they'll all say the same thing, Matt, you don't understand how badly I've been hurt. I don't understand. They're right. I don't understand how badly you've been hurt. I don't know the depth of your pain or the sharpness of the wounds that have landed on your heart. I don't know about the bruises that have healed, but the emotional scars and the fear and anxiety that has not healed. I don't know the pain that you carry with you today in your present or the pain that has come from your past. But I assure you that God does. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. He knows your anxieties and your fears, and he identifies with your abuse. You see, this series is a leapfrog. It's a, it's a jump off of a book called Hope for a Hopeless Day written by Jack Hafer. It's a look into the in-depth of the seven statements that Jesus declares from the cross, and as he spoke and as he died and as he went through a really bad day, Jesus handled it in a really mighty way. And after Jesus stood innocent before a court of being falsely accused, as he 
experienced unexplainable physical abuse and then was led outside of the city gates of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha and they're killed there and executed by the Romans but first were publicly humiliated, stripped of his clothes, spit on, jeered at by the crowd and lifted up so everyone could scoff at him. Before all of that happened, he had us in mind and he's lifted up before the entire group who are guilty of killing an innocent man. And Jesus looks at all the guilty parties. He looks at the crowd. He looks at the religious leaders. He looks at the Romans. And here's what Jesus says to them. His very first words that you hear when he has a day that has been ruined is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Isn't it incredible that when his bad day arrived, the first thing that he decided to do was to forgive others for ruining his bad day? Who's in your life that that you need to look to with great compassion and say, I forgive you. You're trying to ruin my life, but (laughs) I I forgive you. You've beat on me. You've betrayed me. You've nearly killed me. But I forgive you. You know, that person who has harmed you physically, the one who has inflicted emotional wounds that can't seem to heal, those who have you've trusted, who've done horrible things to you that you've harbored a grudge against. It it could be the inconsiderate spouse, the back-talking child, the arrogant boss, the unfair teacher, the nasty neighbor, the manipulative coworker, the abusive relative, the cheating boyfriend, (laughs) the prodding preacher. Who do you need to forgive? Every single one of these people that I've just mentioned, and, and those that you're thinking of now are the very ones who need to be forgiven by you. And God asks us to go further than we want to extinct, instinctively go. I've heard it said, sometimes God pushes us to our limits because he has greater faith in us than we have in ourselves. That's why, that's why God pushes us out and says, you can do this. I, I've got great expectations for you, and, and you can do something beautiful and meaningful and inspiring, but you can't do it under your own strength. You're, you're going to need the strength of God to do this. I like what God's word says. It says, get rid of bitterness and get rid of rage and get rid of anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgive one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, that seems like such a lofty and great idea, doesn't it? It seems uh, almost you... Utopian. It's nice when you put that scripture in a general sense. My husband should be kind to me. My ex should really know that scripture. I wish my kids would would understand that they have poor behavior and they need to be more tender-hearted. But but the big question is, who do you need to forgive? Not who. Who ought to forgive you? Who do you need to forgive? What pain do you need to finally let go of? Who needs to finally be scratched off your list of people that deserve payback? Who deserve punishment? You know, it's, it's not very hard to know who needs forgiveness. But it is so difficult to extend it, isn't it? Our emotions fight every desire to release others of the hurt they've caused us. To forgive someone, you'll have to make deliberate choices. And that fights against our natural tendencies. How do you forgive someone? 
How, how in the world did Davy Blackburn forgive the men who murdered his wife Amanda and his unborn child? You know, to start a, to start a fire, you need a spark. And when you get that spark, it has the ability, that one little spark, to turn into an enormous blaze that can get so out of hand. And my hope is that as we talk about what we talk about next, these helps on how to forgive someone, that this will provide a spark for you today so that there will be a fan of flame, of forgiveness that can take place in your life towards the ones that have hurt you. Here's the first. Since forgiveness is not a natural response, we need supernatural help, so we better start praying. <laughs> we better pray that God will, will give us the wisdom and the strength to forgive. And that's where it really starts, is within prayer. You need to say, Lord, I can't handle this on my own. I don't want to forgive this person. And if it's dependent upon me, I'd let this person rot in misery. But it's not dependent upon me. Lord, help me to forgive. I don't want to harbor anger here. You know what I found out? That prayer changes things. Prayer changes scenarios. Prayer changes situations and outcomes. But what it does most importantly is prayer changes me. And when I pray for other people and pray for my enemies and pray for those that have hurt me, I find that I finally am starting to get a conditioned heart towards them. And I know that sit before me are a handful of you that say, I don't want to forgive. I want them to be in misery and a handful of you don't want to forgive. You would rather drink the poison of hate expecting the other to suffer. But you're the one suffering. And may I say to you, if you don't want to forgive, you don't have power over anybody. I know you think you do, but you don't. You don't have power over them. You are just harming yourself. You have the power, though, to release them. You have the power to forgive them. You have the power to do that with God's help. You have the power to finally say, I am done being consumed by this. I'm going to be liberated by forgiving them. And you know, that starts, it starts in prayer. May that be the spark that starts this enormous flame of forgiveness. Here's a second. Allow yourself time. Let your emotions cool down. Forgiveness is not going to happen instantaneous. Time allows us to see the situation differently, doesn't it? We can get ourselves back from it. We can kind of see things from a new perspective. We can view our pain from a new angle. Most of us have been conditioned to believe that forgiveness can happen near instantaneous. We were taught this as children. When I was a kid, my parents would teach me to say sorry before I've even forgiven them in my heart. And I've continued that practice with my own kids. There's a fight that happens. I'll drag them out and say, tell your brother you're sorry. Now, I know they're not sorry, but we're just trying to have our kids become a little bit more sympathetic to others. But what we're actually teaching them, though, is not just to have sensitivity. We're actually conditioning that healing can come quickly when that's not true. You've heard the old saying, time heals all wounds. That's not completely true either. Time does, however, allow the trauma of what has taken place to give us a fresh outlook on what really happened. Don't, don't jump into something quickly. Let your emotions cool down. Allow time. May another spark to forgiveness be that you can lovingly confront the person who has wounded you. That might be necessary. And friends, sometimes this may not be necessary. Lovingly confront the person who has wounded you. Sometimes in order to forgive someone, you need to tenderheartedly express the hurt that they've caused in your life. They may not even been aware of it. Not with the intentions to rub their nose in it and to punish them like they've hurt you. That's called revenge. You know, a few weeks ago, some of the ministries and a few of our ministers of this congregation were ripped into and attacked 
uh, publicly on a social media post. Now, my name wasn't mentioned, but my natural response was to stand in defense of my staff and to become nasty in return. But, you know, Jesus grabbed my heart. You should all be proud that Jesus grabbed my heart because what I wanted to say wasn't nice. And he helped me to see that person's hurt from a new and fresh angle. And I was able to reach out to that one that had posted something publicly, and it helped to resolve the issue, settle down the pain, and help me to counsel the angered person and help them to identify with what they were feeling. Now, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 tells us, if someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Saving your critical comments for yourself, you might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you're badly deceived. Don't harbor bitterness. Lovingly talk the hurt through. Here's the second, or here's another thing you can do to forgive. Seek godly counsel and follow biblical advice. You know, it could be as simple as talking to a friend that follows Christ and just bouncing off to them how you've been hurt and are you right or wrong and holding a grudge? It could be that you need to go find a minister. It may be that you need somebody to help you take some careful, methodical, thought-out steps as you walk through a serious trial. And you need someone who is a professional Christian counselor. And you need to seek that person out. But this isn't the time to try to explain your grudge and try to justify your actions for wanting revenge. This is a moment to recount the hurt, to get it off of your chest, to finally verbalize the hurt and the pain with the intentions that there might be some healing in getting it off of your memory. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26 tells us, the godly give good advice to their friends, the wicked lead them astray. Friends, you need to be very careful about who you tell your hurt talk to. Don't start blabbing away all the hurt that you have and pain that you have towards another and the vengeance and the, and the revenge that you want to express on somebody who, who doesn't have a concern for your soul. They don't care about your soul. They might give you bad advice that will help to ruin that relationship even further and it probably will run contrary to God's word. Also, express kindness to those who have hurt you. Remember, God always asks us to go further than we instinctively want to go. Scripture teaches us, if your enemy's hungry, what do we do? feed him. If he's thirsty, what do we do? We give him something to drink. Oh, be kind, is what Jesus is expressing, even to unkind people. Find some simple way to go out of your way to show them some kind of simple compassion. But I know, what, I know where we're at. Okay, we, we know the how to forgive. We know the sparks that will lead to forgiveness. But the thinking here is, but what if I do forgive? Doesn't that just show them that I'm endorsing their bad behavior? You're not, you're not condoning poor conduct by forgiving. When you tell someone that they've been forgiven, it doesn't mean that they haven't hurt you. It doesn't mean that they haven't done what they've really done. It doesn't mean that the incident didn't happen. Here's what we need to do. We need to acknowledge what was wrong and what was done and that we were hurt by it. And then we need to release that so we don't retaliate. You know, like Jesus absorbed the pain on the cross that day. He absorbed the pain and he didn't retaliate. Even though vengeance could have been his, he decided to take the pain. 
When you forgive, you're not saying the relationship is fully restored either. You know, many times forgiveness is needed. It, 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 when it's needed, it means that trust has eroded away. There's a lot of relationships, even relationships in this room, where trust has been eroded away, and there needs to be forgiveness, but that doesn't mean the relationship's going to re- be restored back to where it needs to be restored. You know, in my experience, it's easier to say you're forgiven and a lot harder to earn trust back. It takes time to restore a relationship, especially a relationship that has been wrought with abuse. Trust does not come back easy. Forgiveness might have been said. Forgiveness might have been extended, but trust may not totally be there. Forgiveness does not mean the restoration of trust or the relationship. Hey, you're not freeing someone from God's judgment either when you're forgiving someone. You're freeing them from retaliation. You're freeing them so that you can have a clear conscience. You're not freeing them, though, from God's judgment. You know, in reality, when you forgive someone, you're you're freeing them of your vengeance, but not of God's vengeance. You see, God is fair. God is just. And the Bible gives us assurance that when his justice is administered, it's accordance with the, the punishment. And no matter how much you've forgiven them, God is still going to hold them to an account of all the good and the bad that they've done here on this earth. And when we forgive, we just refuse to play God is what we do. See, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 tells us, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it's written. Let's say it together. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You need to leave the revenge, the payment up to God because God will have judged justly. But that doesn't mean they're off the hook. You know, your forgiveness releases those who have hurt you so you can release the hurt that those have put in your heart. And some of you today, you just need to release Those people that have hurt you and put that hurt in your heart, you need to say, God, I start today by praying to you and saying, give me the strength to start down this pathway. It will take time, but I don't want to hate like I'm hating today. You know what carrying resentment is? It's self-torture. Someone said, when it comes to our past pain, I can choose to let it define me, confine me, refine me, outshine me, or I can choose to move on and leave it behind me. Today, some of you just need to choose to leave it behind you. You need to say, God, it's in your hands, and I release them of any kind of wrongdoing and retaliation. You are a just judge, and you will be the one that will administer what is best for them. You know, there is a truth that I want you to take to heart relating why you should forgive others. Here it is. Forgiveness releases the debt someone owes you so that God can release the debt that you owe, that you owe him. We don't think of it this way many times, but this is the way Jesus teaches it. That forgiveness releases the debt someone owes you so that God can release the debt that you owe him. Simply put, you will be forgiven as you forgive others. You know, Jesus continued that story that we were in in Matthew 28. Get back in there with me. It's about that guy who was financially in debt, but his debt was completely absorbed by his master. And you'd think with such an incredible burden taken off of his shoulders that he would just be the happiest and freest guy around That he would be quick to show mercy and to show forgiveness, but that wasn't the case. Matthew chapter 18, verse 28 continues. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Guys, that wasn't much money. 
He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Verse 29, his fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. But he, but he refused. Instead, he went off and handed the man and threw him into prison until he could pay off the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I've canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Forgiveness releases the debt that someone owes you so that God can release the debt that you owe him. I, I can't think of a better reason why we ought to start forgiving other people. Because with the measure we use, God will use that same measure according to us. All of the sin debt can't be repaid that I have in my life. And God has been so quick to forgive it. You know, I think perhaps one of the most sobering teachings Jesus has ever given is Matthew 6, verse 14. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here's what John Stott, a popular Christian commentator had to say on that verse. He said, we are to open our hands to receive his, God's grace pardon. We cannot keep our fists tightly clenched against those who have wronged us. If God has been open-handed with us, we ought to be open-handed with others. And very rarely do you find in the scriptures that God has some kind of qualifier. But when it comes to forgiveness, God says, with the measure you use, I'll use it to you. And if you're merciful, God will be merciful. But if your judgment is of grace, God will have great judgment towards you of grace. You see, a mark of a genuine follower of Jesus is recognized on how deeply God has, has been pained by our sins. And we repent. We, we don't want to be the same person anymore. And we're commanded by God to bear with each other. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. So how has God forgiven you? Let me give you some ways that you can just start to recount how God's forgiven you. God has forgiven you with absolute forgiveness. There's no end to it. No matter how many mistakes, no matter how many mess-ups you have in life, there is no end to God's grace and forgiveness. No matter how much hurt you've caused him, there's no end to his forgiveness. It is absolute. He forgave Noah of drunkenness, Peter of betrayal, Moses of murder, Elijah of doubt, David of adultery, Paul of persecution. Scriptures say that the Lord is gracious, he is compassionate, he is slow to anger, and he is rich in love. Don't you love that about our God? God has forgiven you, absolutely. God has forgiven you while you were at your worst. God isn't waiting for you to act, get your act together and get everything in line before he forgives your sins. 
No, that debt of Jesus was paid on the cross for your sins. And don't assume that when you choose Jesus that your life has to be perfect. It doesn't. Your life, if it were perfect, you wouldn't need Jesus. But you do. We are all sinners who are in need of God's grace. And in this room sits people who have come to Christ and discovered that God loves them and will forgive them even when they're at their very worst. But God showed his great love to us by sending Christ to die for us when, while we were still sinners, while we were at our worst. Hey, God has forgiven you without considering himself. Never did ever God say, I'm going to forgive you, but you really owe me. Matt, I'm gonna, you owe me big, Matt. I've really forgiven you and you've got to do a whole lot here to make up. No, God's never said that. As a matter of fact, he offered, he, he offered me forgiveness even though he was so offended by my sins. Even though I deserve an eternal consequence of punishment, he's got me off the hook. Why? Because he didn't consider himself. He considered me. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen to that. And God's forgiveness is not fair. You, you, you remember that when you, when you need to extend. God's forgiveness is not fair. It's not fair. It doesn't make sense. The forgiveness of God is one-sided. There's nothing fair about the cross, is there? The guilty live while the innocent dies. What's fair about that? That's unjust. We wouldn't stand for that. 1 John 2, verse 2, he died in our place to take away our sins. And not only our sins, but what? But the sins of all people. And when you forgive someone, you're letting go of the pain and you're letting go of your right to get even. You're conquering the fleshly desire to be merciless and you're allowing the spirit nature to become merciful. Forgiveness is the best and greatest love that you can bring to somebody. So who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive today? You know, Jesus started the worst day of his life by looking at all those who have ruined his day. All those who have ruined his day. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's how he started his day. Father, they don't get it. They don't know how they've ruined my day, but I'm going to forgive them anyway. And when he did that, he not only released his right to get even, He was asking God, catch this, he was asking God, his father, that those who have hurt him, that they would be shown incredible mercy and not punishment. God, I don't want them to suffer for the way they've hurt me. And that's an indication that though you deserve the harshest of punishments for your sin debt, Jesus begs his father, begs his father that you be shown amazing grace.